It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. Today's show, a little different. We are recording this in my living room. We're using a new piece of equipment, so if it sounds a little different, um, we apologize. But, of course, this show brought to you each and every day by Fetch Me. Use promo code FETCHME20 for your first delivery free. Zach Blackerby and Michael Papp is here with you. And we, uh, yeah, we're recording this right after um, Auburn's, Auburn's loss became official to Minnesota in the Outback Bowl. They lost by a score of 31 to 24. And, you know, we've joked about this in the past whenever we talk about bowls and, and bowl season in general. People really only care about bowl games when you lose them. <laughs> we saw that a few years ago with UCF in the Peach Bowl, and that's something that we've talked about throughout the last few weeks, and even Malzahn and the, and, and the coaching staff and, and the players kind of compared it, saying, hey, you know, we're, we're approaching this as if it's a, a business trip, not a reward, but Auburn falling 31-24. to 24. Michael, what are your thoughts on what we just watched? Uh, kind of seems to me like the whole football team must be – Listeners of the Locked On Auburn podcast must have been listening to you and Painter talk about how they were just going to show up for this game and dominate. Um, obviously, they did not. But it's a sad end to the season, but all in all, I feel like it's a pretty good season for Auburn. Uh, Minnesota played really, really well. This, I mean, this was not a fluke. Auburn got beat. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. And so, yeah, I was, um, I was off. And- Painter, and I'm sure Painter will agree to this when we chat with him probably tomorrow or so, but I, I was shocked. You know, I, the, the Auburn offense didn't look great, but the Auburn defense didn't look like they have throughout this year. And you can blame some of it on they were on the field for the majority of the first half. They did look tired after a certain point, but they didn't seem themselves either. But I got a feeling moving forward over the course of the offseason, the story of how this game unfolded will have everything to do with how the offense looked. And then you look at the new offensive coordinators, like, can Chad Morris fix this? That's the storyline moving forward, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and just to mention the defense here for a second, uh, Minnesota had the ball for 38 and a half, or 37 and a half minutes in this game. Auburn had it for about 22 minutes. Uh, that massive time of possession difference is what Minnesota tries to do. Uh, they talked about it on the broadcast a whole bunch. But, I mean, that's P.J. Fleck's game. He just wants to – the other team can't score if they don't have the ball, right? So, the more that uh, the more that Minnesota had it, the more Auburn couldn't score. Uh, aside from that, I didn't really think that Minnesota did anything too crazy. They put up almost 500 yards of offense. Uh, Tanner Morgan played well, the quarterback for uh, for Minnesota, but – it it really just it looked like Auburn wasn't ready to play. They weren't uh, whether it was, you know, they they weren't bought into this game really mattering. Whether it was the whole extended stay in Tampa, you know, these bowl games are weird. You you go out there for a week, you do a bunch of weird events with the other with the other team, and at the end of the day, they just don't get it done. But like you said, it, the story coming out's got to be about Chad Morris. How is this offense gonna look different? 
The running game was just not there today. Auburn only ran for 56 yards, 2.2 yards per rush. In the first half, it was 0.6 yards per rush. That's not good. It's not good. And in the second half, you know, we saw him go to more of a passing-based attack, and, and I looked at you at the time and was like, this is Chad Morris' influence. Like, this is not what Gus wants to do. He does not want to go out and throw the ball to, to work their way down the field. And, and we really saw a lot more short passes today than we really have all season from Auburn. So We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, looking at the receiving numbers, short six catches for 49 yards, 8.2 average, uh, that's kind of what you expect. Sal Canella had one big catch, and you know a lot of people were tweeting at you because you kind of, uh, you're the president of the Sal Canella fan club, one catch for 37 yards and a touchdown. But the, the way Bo Nix moved around in the pocket to get that ball to Sal Canella, I think that was probably the play of the game for Auburn's offense anyway. Seth Williams, four catches for 29 yards. Spencer and I, a catch for 24 yards. Hastings, two for 14. J.J. Wilson, uh, two for 12. And Eli Stove, one for 11. I expected there to be more senior involvement among the offensive skill positions, and you didn't really see that. You kind of saw, with the exception of Schwartz being heavily involved, you really, you really kind of saw the normal clip as far as skill players go, as far as Catching passes. Yeah, pretty balanced attack on offense, but really, in the end for me, it was the way they were getting those guys the ball. Right, A lot of short stuff. I thought we saw improvement from Bo Nix in the fact that when he did get outside the pocket, he was hanging in there trying to make throws down the field. And in the first half, I thought he moved really well. In the second half, he kind of uh, fell back to his old ways of just trying to get out of the pocket as quick as possible. I think on the offensive side, there was a lot to build on if you're Chad Morris coming out of this game. Uh, you saw that Auburn can do the the short passing game. They can do, you know, these skill position players are very good and they should only get better over the next offseason heading into, heading into the fall when we should see more passing from this Auburn team. And you know that Bo Nix can, can make all the throws. There was a lot less downfield passing in this game than you would expect from a Gus Malzahn coach team. A Gus Malzahn called game. I mean, the only real deep pass I can remember is the Sal Canella touchdown. Yeah, and that was kind of done out of Bo Nix running around. I mean, that was Canella's route. But, yeah, you're right. I think he threw it deep to Seth once, and it was an incompletion. So, we'll see. If, you know, for some reason, we haven't seen Anthony Schwartz really develop into that type of receiver, and they don't really – try to force it to him deep, which is still odd to me. Maybe we'll see that uh, in the 2020 season. So, Michael, how do you think this plays into the storylines throughout the offseason and over the summer and I, I guess with fall camp coming up, you know, in the next few months or so, that ever-elusive 10th win for Malzahn? It, it just seems like this team is – is off now. You're seeing a lot of early projections in the 2020 season. It's like 10 and two regular season. It's very likely. And when you look at the the competition, it's like okay, yeah, if you can beat 
either Georgia, LSU, or Alabama, you've got a really good shot, but it's just we, we haven't seen that. And it, it, it's, it's kind of odd because Auburn fans are almost expecting Auburn to have a 10-win season next year when they, they couldn't they, – they, they had it right in front of them this year and they, they kind of fell flat. Yeah, the narrative from people who don't like Gus Malzahn is going to be, oh, well, another four-loss season, right? Uh, uh, Gus seems to, to lose four games a lot, and if you're a Gus, someone who doesn't like Gus Malzahn, that's can, that, this is a big loss for you. But, you know, at the end of the day, each season is different, and I know that people don't really want to hear that, and you have to look at the body of work and, and all that, but there's a lot of turnover in the SEC next year, especially at the quarterback position. I mean, there's a chance everyone that could go decides to come back, but it's hard to expect Tua to come back. Burrow's gone. I don't think Jake Fromm is going to come back. He's like the number three, four, five quarterback on most people's draft boards. It's going to be tough to convince him to stay. I just, I'm not convinced that Auburn is, is not in a much, much better position going into next season for winning the SEC West than they were this year. Not to mention all the experience now that Auburn is going to bring bring back at the, I mean, the most important positions on the football field, starting with quarterback. And then what's after that, you think? In Malzahn's system, maybe running back? Because you're not bringing anything back on the offensive line. I think with wide receivers, obviously you get Seth Williams back, Anthony Schwartz, is coming back. I don't know how big of a role he's going to have moving forward. On offense, I mean, that's that, that, that's kind of it. I mean, do you think running back is the number two position group as far as value for Malzahn? Because I kind of lean towards offensive line. But then again, I think the glass half full way to look at the offensive line situation is, okay, you look how uh, a veteran group played in a bowl game, and it's like they didn't play very well at all. And so you maybe get some new fresh bodies in there. Maybe it kind of provides something new for you. I was actually more thinking about linebacker, kind of the quarterback of the defense. Um, you know, I, I know we talked ad nauseum before the season about the inexperience that Auburn had at linebacker before this season. I think that that's going to be huge, bringing back K.J. Britt, Chandler Wooten, Owen Papo is only going to get better. And then I, I think it's very important that the established center – Got to play the back half of this season, and then he's going to move forward. Uh, look at how important Barrett Jones was at Alabama when he was their center in his third and fourth years. And he had all of that experience and was basically you know, another quarterback for that offensive line when it came to protections and things like that. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. You mentioned a guy like K.J. Britt, and boy, he sacrificed his body. Late in the game to to get a stop, which ultimately led to that that fourth and short, which Auburn stopped them on fourth and short, just inches short of the the line to gain. And uh, we were watching it together with uh, with my wife and a, a buddy of mine that came in town, and we were all like, "Oh man, that was awesome! That was great!" And then 
Auburn's three and out. And then, you know, you just kind of think back, like, K.J. Britt put his body on the line for that. <laughs> and, and, you know, no matter, what the, uh, no matter what the defense did, the Auburn offense just couldn't get going. And it's kind of fitting for the way the whole season went, right? I think that's what a lot of people are going to kind of look back and say is, no matter what the Auburn defense was able to do, the offense couldn't really match it as far as how elite the defense was. I'm surprised that Minnesota scored as much as they did today. And I think you can say a lot of it was because they were on the field for so stinking long. And, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned the time of possession earlier in the show, but that's, um, that's something that surprised me because that's not something that's new. They've been doing that throughout the year more than they should have anyway. I mean, even with the LSU game, and you saw what LSU did to, to Oklahoma a few days ago, but um, regardless, that was, the, um, that, was, that was the issue today. And so you, you, you hate it for guys that, um, that are done, and you know, the, the senior class is about to step away. They had such a storied career at Auburn. I mean, I think just this group as a whole with Derek and Marlon and, and Prince Tega and, I mean, Although pretty much the whole defensive backfield. So Polo's trying to get on the podcast. If you hear my dog barking, that's that's sweet, sweet Polo. He's the best dog ever. Um, but then you got guys like, you know, I, I predicted uh, Noig Benogany. I think that was his last game at Auburn. I hope I'm wrong for the sake of a lot of folks listening to this show. But, I mean, Trevon Reed, friend of the program, and a guy who knows what it takes to be a, a defensive back at the next level, he tweeted out after Noah returned that kick for a touchdown earlier today, saying, hey, Enjoy him while you can. He's about to make a lot of money at the next level. And so I think, um, I think it's going to be curious to see, you know, what happens with Booby Whitlow moving forward. He certainly did not look good today. No, none of the running backs did, but I just don't see where his playing time is moving forward. There's going to be a lot of questions and a lot of chatter over the offseason about a lot of these position groups because there's going to be, there's going to be spots open for grabs. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be a fun offseason, whether it is, uh, it's talking about uh, Chad Morris or the position groups or the battles. Looking at the freshmen coming in, this was you know obviously a great recruiting class, and this is going to be a very fun off season. And hopefully, uh, twenty twenty is a really really exciting football season. Also, if you have opinions, thoughts on the game, or if you're excited about the future, we want to hear you. Uh, Give a, give a call to the Locked On Auburn podcast voicemail at 205-502-4285. That's 205-502-4285. Would love to hear your thoughts. And I, I got a feeling most of the people that will call in will be more optimistic on the future. And there's absolutely uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Because I think when you look at this, there, there is an easy way to look at this with the glass half full. Now, I think there's a big part of the Auburn fan base that say, Hey, no matter what you do, as long as Gus Malzahn is the head man, he's, you know, Auburn can only go so far. I don't think I'm in that camp. I, I, think, I think Auburn has shown, or Malzahn has shown that he can do some things to, to be successful um, at Auburn. But we'll see. We'll see what that looks like moving forward. But as far as what he's built in the depth, I think up front on the defense, you're going to be okay. You know, we saw some younger guys step up today. You and I were talking about that while the game was going on. Obviously, Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson are going to be a huge loss. But you, 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 see, you see the stepping stones as to what they need to do moving forward, like what the plan is, right? I mean, you definitely see it with the defensive backfield. You saw Smoke Monday get burned bad for a deep touchdown late in the game. But I think, you know, one, he was playing corner, and he's more of a guy that's used to being in the middle of the field. But – 
I think they were testing some of that out to see, like, okay, what does this look like moving forward next year in 2020? I completely agree. And while we're talking about the defense, I mean, in the second half, the defense let up seven points. So they had a they they did not play well in the first half. I don't think there's there's much arguing with that. And outside of Minnesota's last drive, where they burned the rest of the clock, and, and Auburn's defense let up a real bad conversion on third and ten. Uh, in the second half, they played an almost flawless half outside of that one deep, wide open touchdown and. That has to give you a lot of hope for the future because they, like you said, we're playing a lot of young guys. They, You, you kind of need to give these guys experience, and they know that. And as much as you, they want to, to honor the seniors and let them go out on top, I think the seniors also know, you know from their experience that a lot of what bowl games is is testing out the younger guys. And you made comments about how they weren't playing Derek Brown as much during the game, and, and you wondered if that was kind of a nod to his – pending NFL career, not wanting him to get, get injured. And I don't know. That's a good point. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. The future seems bright. Um, I hope, like you said, most people do look at this as glasses half full. It's a disappointing loss, but, you know, it's a meaningless game. We'll be back in the studio for tomorrow and Friday's edition of Locked on Auburn. Yeah, once again, give the voicemail a call. Or tweet at us. I'm at Z Blackerby on Twitter. Michael's at Couch Potato on Twitter. The show is on Twitter at Locked on Auburn. And you can follow the network at Locked on College. We'll be back tomorrow. This has been another edition of the Locked on Auburn podcast. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked on College basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.